Welcome to the CBD Ed Show with Ed Cheney, a CBD industry expert and business executive. In this program, we will discuss the uses of CBD and other methods of treatment that are alternatives but also complement conventional medicines. Now, here is your host, Ed Cheney. Welcome, listeners, to the CBD Ed Show. I'm your host, Ed Cheney, along with the beautiful Kimberly Rose. Hello, everyone. We have a good show for you today. Why? Because I know that everyone would agree that anxiety and mental stress is at a high point. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're, 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 we're really coming out of, you know, this isolation and this, this pandemic. Now, I went and did some research on it, and the three big areas that are affecting us globally where the stress and the anxiety is attached to is social dysfunction, economic concerns, and pandemic. All three of those are contributing to neurological stress, which can lead to anxieties, depression, and, and such as that. So um, we, got a, we got a wonderful opportunity to have a Dr. Gary Reese on with us today, and he has extensive experience in alternative and complementary approaches to this issue, both from Eastern and Western practices, which I think is absolutely unique because one of the things both you and I know, Kim, is that this time around, everybody's kind of, instead of just reaching right for East or uh, right for Western uh, medicines, you know, pharma- pharmacology and such, they're kind of hesitating. And, and looking, is there an alternative? Yes. And I think that's really what's kind of cool. And alternatives being, being Eastern medicine, practices that, aren't, that don't include pharmacology. Now, I, we've always taken that position that two should live conjunctively. They, sh- they should be coexisting now. Uh, and because of the ECS being fairly new, Right? We've talked about that plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that regular Eastern uh, or Western medicine really hasn't caught up to it yet. I mean, they're getting there. Yeah. Doctors are starting to freely talk about it and are now gaining more knowledge, and clinical is gaining traction as well. The ECS system is, is responsible for managing your neurological system, which includes your response to stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And because it, and it's, and this is a done thing. This is not speculative. It does manage that system. And CBD is known to help it do that well. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, you know, our show is tied in this way that we have the, we have this knowledge to pass on, on how the CBD will impact the ECS system, uh, but now we also have we'll have a doctor on the show that will kind of share his perspective uh, because he practices both. Yeah, and help us understand a little bit better. Right, right, mm-hmm. and and I think that's uh, you know I think that's important. Now, the facts that they, they suggest that the majority of population is feeling these stresses in these three areas. So. I know we had a show on it. Uh, we've we've had actually a total of three different shows mm-hmm. uh, on this subject, uh, and we're uh, 
we're very confident that this is a great Western approach, a natural approach uh, to managing this. Now, I had a conversation with this doctor on the phone this Wednesday, and he said, you know, we both wanted to have, you know, we both started talking about Eastern and Western medicine coming together, kind of bringing them back, dating again. And he said, he said, I have the same belief and understanding. There are times for both. Yes. As an example, he says, if I have a patient coming in and they have suicidal thoughts or tendencies, I am not going to go to a, uh, a, or a process-oriented psychological approach. I'm going to have to put him, on, or him or her on something quickly to not have something to relieve Terrible those thoughts, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a perfect example of the two different medicines coming in together. Yeah. There is a time for one uh, and equally time for, the, for both. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, we're waiting for him to come online. So let's just, uh, let's just start conversing. Uh, I thought, on. yeah, I, I was going to say, I thought I heard he's here. Wonderful. <laughs> I, might, I might have missed that. Well, let's, let's welcome Dr. Gary Reese, who has extensive experience in alternative and complementary approaches to both Eastern and Western practices. And I really expect his insight to be very valuable to, to our listeners today. So, Dr. Gary Reese, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Hello. All right. Can you hear me? So, for for our productive audience, our, oh, our production wait, there crew, he is. We got hello? Dr. Reese? Yes, hello. Uh, there we are. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Reese. Thank you. Yes, it's been a little challenge getting on, so I have to work on my momentary anxiety and how to, how to stay centered in the middle of that. <laughs> and, and please, take your time, because I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you overcame it. Yes, and yes. And you're on with us. As I'm, That's I, funny. As I'm sure our audience feels the same way. So, That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I wondered if... Uh, so, Doctor, we know, uh, we've had a show similar to this one, uh, mm-hmm. in the past, and we have great response with, you know, our listeners sharing with us that sometimes they don't even know that they're knee-deep in anxiety and stress until other types of neurological damage start to occur, the things that are called depression and such as that. We wondered if maybe you could, let's just start the conversation out with, you know, what do you see as signs of distress in your neurological system. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it's so important what you were saying that um, today almost everybody has anxiety and depression. I think there's been studies that show, you know, like 35, 40% of people before COVID had like an anxiety disorder. And so, you know, a certain amount of this is just part of living modern life, right? We yeah. get challenged, and there's a lot of stresses in in daily life. I think what really starts to concern me is when I see those stresses start to impact people's physical health, Ooh. when I see it start to impact their mental health, where it starts to interfere with their sense of well-being in life, of happiness, of ability to function. It starts to impact their relationships, 
Um, and, you know, when I start to see that more and more areas light up like that that get impacted, um, that's when I get concerned. Of course, I think that modern life is such a challenge that all of us, before we get to those levels, need really positive methods for um, how to cope. Yeah. I, I, I love your position on this. I think it's absolutely terrific. It seems like I recall only about 10 or 15 years ago, uh, I, the medical community did a, a public kind of a, an announcement of, hey, uh, uh, depression is a real thing. You know, let's treat it as such. And yes. I, I think even today, the message of, hey, if you start feeling or, or recognizing these signs, that you should be okay with it first, because it's, it's a part of living on this planet today. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, That's next right. is what and, to do. And all of us, even, even it, we have biorhythms, and so some days we feel better and we're up, and some days we feel a little bit low and we need to take it a little more easy and stay closer to ourselves. But what we're looking at when we're looking at recommending treatment is when it becomes chronic and when it begins to really interfere with our well-being. And as you mentioned, um, you know, I'm an alternative practitioner, and so I deal with people up to very, very serious levels of stress and depression. And, and as I said, you asked me, will you ever refer somebody for medication? Um, first of all, a lot of people come in who are, are, who are already using medication and like their medication. Okay. And so I'll support that. In terms of my telling someone, um, it's usually, I can usually in my office deal with things up to the point where if somebody's really like, I'm going to kill myself right away, then they have got to have some more methods that help them often to stay safe. But alternative methods with skilled practitioners can cover a lot of ground up to that point. Okay. And, and that completely makes sense. Um, what, what, would, uh, what would be, so I think a good question would be, what would be the, the signs that somebody would need to reach out to somebody like you? <laughs> well, again, you know, it's a, I'm, I'm an alternative practitioner, and so I'm not psychopathology-based. I'm wellness-based. And so, so, again, I recommend that everybody do something like process-oriented psychology because it helps you to find meaning in life. Yeah. It helps you to not only be, you know, most Western methods are about not being sick. But more alternative methods like process-oriented psychology are about being well. And so, um, you know, I've gone to see my therapist as the founder of process-oriented psychology, Dr. Arnold Mendel, and I still check with it, in with him uh, as a couple times a, um, a year, um, like for a tune-up. Great. You know, maybe we're working on, like, how much better can I feel? How much, how, how much can I improve my health? Um, what about really going beyond trauma, like my new book, which is, you know, getting off the wheel. It's about not just, like, um, not suffering from trauma, but being really free. And so it's a complicated answer because I kind of view it like the dentist. Who should go to the dentist? Probably everybody. Who could benefit from something like process-oriented psychology? I really feel everybody. Now, you know, of course, if you're really suffering, 
um, you know, and you're losing your ability to enjoy life and you're losing your functionality and relationship and at work. Um, maybe you're starting to use more substances that are addictive and harmful. You know, all those are warning signs okay. uh, that you've got to get in. But I say, why not? Why not just go in, work on a dream, work on something about how to make your life um, more meaningful and happy? You know what, Doctor? I, I think both Kim and I are nodding because we have both had that experience of being proactive mm-hmm. for nothing more than just trying to enhance and usually yeah. walking away with, you know, a good state of well-being. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's, that's actually really well put. That's right. Like, for example, I do a lot of couples and family therapy. What couple couldn't use some facilitation? at some point in their relationship. You don't have to be like on, oh, we're on the brink of divorce. Like, hey, could you help us communicate better? How about our intimate life? We'd like to, you know, be happier in that part of life. Or um, we'd like to understand more the meaning of our relationship. So, you know, this this really expands the the realm of healing and psychology to um, not just, again, not being sick, but really the enjoyment of of really feeling our potential well-being. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'm not going to bore our audience, but there's lots of science behind what you're saying. Yes. There really there's is. There's a lot of yeah, science. There sure is. Can we... There's a lot of science yeah. behind it that say if you use these methods, you know, they're measurable effects, yeah. yep. right? You can measure it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Hey, can we talk a little bit about some of your suggested approaches, and and we'll keep it in the the stress and anxiety or depression area first. Uh, but yeah, maybe some uh, I, on how you approach when your client comes in with this issue. Sure. Well, first of all, a lot of stress stress is part of life, and and I love some of the books on stress that say you know look at thousands of years ago or whatever, where your stress reaction is there's a saber-toothed tiger chasing you, mm-hmm. and you run away, and you burn your anxiety. In modern life, what happens is we just get buzzed, and there's not a lot of ways that people have to necessarily use their energy to take action or to process that. And so that anxiety just builds up in us because there's no release for it. And so I have so many methods. For, ex- for example, um, uh, I was just reading some studies on how uh, exercise keeps your levels of inflammation down as well as your levels of stress. I'm, you know, I'm an incredible believer in exercise. I'm 68, and I'm a runner, and I do this very gentle Eastern martial art of Aikido and things like that. And so... That's a way that your body can actually take and burn some of that stress that it's accumulating. So, um, you know, so those are more consensus reality things. Exercise, eat a really good diet that's going to help you uh, manage stress. But um, the work that I do has some really interesting ideas around stress. Um, In the early years, I was a Gestalt therapist, and the founder of Gestalt therapy said that anxiety is simply excitement without enough oxygen. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Isn't that interesting? In other words, I'm just not supporting my excitement enough, and so it's making me anxious. Um, In process work, 
what we talk a lot about is using the, that energy. We use this word a lot, the edge. And the edge is that, that place where I get stuck around something new, something challenging. And when I'm at the edge, stress builds, you know, like right before a performance, you get all, you know. And then if it's a performance, you get to release that um, I've often said with public speaking, I get really stressed out and nervous before. And once I start speaking, I'm so happy. I think, oh, that's really I could just, yeah. yeah. And so it's that, so how do we help people process their edges? How do we help them go further at their stuck points? That's a big part of this work. Um, and just one, one other thing I want to say about, uh, or two about stress. Um, the more we split off parts of ourselves, the more stress we have in life. Like, let's say, for example, that I'm a, um, a very nice person and I don't like to have to um, stand up for myself. Then that part of myself that is the stand-up part, I split off, and it tends to come back at me. I tend to have nightmares about that part. I tend to... Um, walk through life afraid of that part of myself that I'm going to meet it. And so the more whole we become, the more we learn to make friends with all of our parts of ourselves, uh, the less general stress and anxiety we have. Um, And the only other thing I want to mention is you can't really talk about stress and depression without talking about trauma. Okay. And we really need our, our doctors, our therapists, even our dentists, to be trauma-informed. Trauma means I'm not really here in this moment. It means that part of me is back locked in energetically in some past experience that I couldn't handle. And so the more I clear my trauma, both personal and this is my own specialization, Edward, is historical. Okay. It may uh, not just be the trauma that I carry. It may be the trauma that ran through my family. It may be that I came from a country where my family had to flee, and they had a lot of trauma. The more I clear out my personal and historical trauma, yep. the more off the wheel I am, the more free I am, and the less susceptible I am to anxiety and depression. I would like to echo that thought as well. So you're a, practice, yeah. you're a practicing clearer. A clearer. Yeah. That's, I like that, a clearer. I, uh, well, you know, I, I've had some experiences uh, with that. I uh, went through a, uh, I don't know, a six-month course of that. So it was yes. very educational. Uh, and also to discover that you needed a third party to be able to do it. It's not something you yes, can do you yourself. Need sometimes a third party. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, that's it's, right. It's amazing. You know, we think of trauma like you know war victims and all that, and there are horrible victims of trauma and all the abuses of childhood. But almost all of us have had something traumatic happen in school, at work, uh-huh. with our families, with health, and we carry that trauma. So a lot of yeah. the work that I've been teaching is how do you release that trauma? especially from the body, so you're more and more clear. And then, okay, I have a little bit of anxiety today, but that anxiety is not triggering like a 10-year buildup. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I, I, you know, we, we talk so many similarities. Uh, when we look at the ECS system, uh, pharmacology doesn't normally bolster the ECS system, the endocannabinoid system, but uh, yep. plant-based uh, like cannabinoids 
does. It, it, yeah. it, it supports it and it helps it do its function. And I think uh, our approaches are very similar in that way. Um, I wondered if you had anything to share regarding plant-based medicine components that either you've used or are aware of. Um, I myself um, just support people using you know, plant-based products when they feel that it's helping, like control their anxiety, control their pain, um, you know, and I live in Oregon, so in Oregon, of course, um, you know, marijuana's legal, um, you know, we just passed something around psilocybin and the research coming out on psilocybin yep. looks really, really positive for post-traumatic stress, especially with veterans. Yep. And so I'm very, very interested in how those uh, substances can help. My wife has also gone to other countries to study some of the use of plant medicine and, and um, is um, networking with a lot of other, she's also a therapist with a lot of other therapists about the potential use of plant medicine for especially post-traumatic stress. So I think, I think our fields are coming together. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that, and I think so, too, and I've even spoken with, uh, actually, I'll just be more clear, I spoke with a retired executive from a large pharmaceutical company, and he says, he says, yeah, the, the two are coming together. Uh, it's, it's, it's a more natural path that they're looking at conjoining with right now. Uh, and we both kind of agreed that chiropractic probably started the movement some uh-huh. 15 years ago. And, uh-huh. then, and then since then, it's moved into more uh, naturopathic medicines and, and practices. Um, and <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, we have, uh, I think a lot of people who are, who, who are in the cannabinoid industry share a common theme of, we want to see this product come out and join Western medicine. Yeah, I think it's coming together. You know, I was out, I was out running a couple months ago, and I saw one of my neighbors who um, is a very successful uh, professional and investor. And I, I said, he said, what are you up to these days? And I was telling him where I'd been traveling. I said, what are you up to? And he said, oh, I'm doing all this research. And I have this whole project where I'm bringing together Western medical doctors and people studying the use of psilocybin and plant medicines and psychotherapists. And as soon as all this becomes legal, we're like, we have all these plans and we're meeting. And, you know, and I was like stunned. This is not uh, someone I would identify as an alternative person. And so you see all kinds of new things like this coming. I think you said the other day you called it rainbow medicine, and I really love that name. I love that I was name. A, I was a, and it's, it's very fitting. You're absolutely right. Uh, and it surprises yeah. me who is in on this, too. When I, when I talk to people, they just have to do it behind the scenes until the legality issues get cleared up. And yes, the, and the, the meetings are happening. They're yeah. talking about it. And, and there's all kinds of research going on that they're funding. And so we're, um, we're getting closer and closer. You know, in process work, we've always said if it works and it supports your process, it's process work, right? And so, you know, I think that's a really important view of that we tell, we empower people. You know what's best for you, and if it's working, yeah, 
and it's you know then 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 that's great. If it's not working, let's find you an alternative. Yeah. Let me ask a question, Doctor Rice. It's uh, the process work. Do you do? Uh, and I'm pretty sure our listeners will enjoy the answer or need this answer. Can <laughs> can it be done? Uh, can it be done uh, in other forms like Zoom and on the phone, or does it have to be in person? <laughs> that's, so, that's so funny, you know. Um, when COVID happened, and I suddenly, you know, I was traveling and teaching about in the world about six months a year. I thought, oh, I guess I'm just going to take it easy and retire Uh-oh. for a while. <laughs> and, okay. and the first thing I had to teach online was a. The, the first class that was about to get canceled was how to teach body workers how to do hands-on work. And I thought, that's, I can't do that on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried. And? and it got such an incredible response, even doing body work over Zoom, where people oh. were, were imagining that they had their hands on the person's shoulders, and the people were going, oh, I can feel that. <laughs> and so after I did that, I thought, okay, once I've done that, everything else is easy. So I do process work on Zoom all day. I, all right. I work on people, individuals, couples, families. I teach classes all around the world. Um, and, you know, it's just like, a, let's go back to what coping with anxiety is from a process work standpoint. It's all about fluidity. If you can flow with things. If you can flow with change, right? You yep. don't get so anxious. So yeah, we've many of us have had to adjust to working on Zoom. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I love being in person with people. I love the contact, but Zoom works just fine. Okay, and that that was good to hear. And I'm pretty sure most would want to hear the answer to that. And I, I think mo- the whole world had to figure out how to remotely do the things that they used to do in person. The, uh, yes, yeah. for sure. and, and it's going to be equally odd to then go back to in-person <laughs> when, well, it, although I, I will I'll always thrive in-person more than not, but, uh-huh. but uh, it's also equally just a little like, oh, I've got to go out into the world again and start interacting with people. Yeah. It, I know. The first time about a month ago was the first time I, I taught at our uh, – master's program in Portland uh, in person, and I'll talk a little bit about that program at the end, but uh, it, was, it was amazing. I was like, oh my okay. God, there's real people here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, it's so different. Like, I met students, for example, that I had never seen in person, and I thought, oh, I've talked to you for a year on Zoom. Oh, that's what you look like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's funny, but it's so important. The human contact you can't replace. But on the other hand, Zoom, Zoom is pretty good substitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least you get some of the facial communications, the, the physical yes, you, part of those. That's right. It's a yeah. lot easier than working on the phone, although sometimes I, I work on the phone too. Yeah. All right. So, Dr. Reese, we're going to take a quick break. Give our sponsors time, and then when we come back, we're going to continue this really good conversation. So, hey, thank, thank you. Listeners, we'll be back in two minutes. Bye. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Live authentically. Heal naturally with Canafil. 
We have three unique blends for pain relief, reducing stress, and promoting healthy sleep. Visit Canafil.com for the convenience of online shopping that includes free shipping. Or if you're in Arizona, stop by our store in Phoenix for personal consultation and product selection. Our friendly staff is here to help you. All of our products have full third-party testing and a seven-day satisfaction guarantee. Call 480-599-1003 or visit Canafil.com. Canafil, giving you your life back. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the CBD Ed Show. If you have a question that you'd like addressed on a future episode of our program, please send an email to info at the com. That's info at the com. Now, back to the CBD Ed Show. Welcome back, listeners, to the CBD Ed Show. Here we are with Dr. Reese sharing wonderful information about anxiety uh, from both Eastern and Western practices. And uh, Dr. Reese, we wanted to maybe start a little conversation about information that we had gleaned from a clinical review uh, regarding uh, uh, panic disorder or patients with panic disorder and the use of CBD. Now, because this is a CBD show, I'm sure some of our listeners are always, well, if I do want to use CBD, they do need some direction. Since it's not a regulated product yet, they really can't, they're not supposed to get direction from the manufacturers. That's kind of difficult <laughs> to be able to do that. Uh, so we're in a unique spot where, you know, as long as we gather our information from reliable sources, that we can deliver some of this knowledge. And one of the studies I thought was pretty interesting uh, and uh, it was uh, neuroimaging studies had shown increase in activities in the brain uh, for those with panic disorder. And their dosage that they had recommend or used were 5, 10, and 20 milligrams per kilogram. Now, this is just CBD. So what that would equate to is somewhere between a 500 milligram dose all the way up to a 2,000 milligram dose. Wow. And what they suggested is a single dose of CBD is in a healthy volunteer promoted a reduction in anxiety. They also suggested that CBD also altered resting activity in limbic and paralympic limbic brain areas. And they even, in their conclusion, said the following things. The result derived from both laboratory and animal human studies support the notion that CBD exhibits anti panic properties. Despite the described panic response report as a result of cannabis use, it is important to note that CBD does not present a psychoactive effect and is safe and well tolerated up to 
1,500 milligrams per day. Now, half of that statement was from the World Health Organization because I, I checked in and echoed it exactly. And I'm pretty sure their 1,500 milligrams per day were based off of their reviews of other clinical reports. And then their last statement was, moreover, because this compound does not induce dependence, tolerance, and abstinence symptoms, it can be, in future, a good alternative as a substitute for high-potency benzodiazepines and antidepressant drugs for, uh, for pan uh, panic disorder patients. Anyway, so kind of gives a clinical view on the use of CBD as a plant-based medicine component for areas like anxiety and panic disorder. Uh, Dr. Reese, what... Uh, Anything you want to share on panic disorder? Well, first of all, I just appreciate that, and I have, uh, I was thinking of a family member who uses CBDs for her um, panic attacks and things like that, so I really appreciate hearing the statistics and the dosage, and I'll follow up on that um, with you so I can get those exact figures written down. Um, panic disorder, I've had some incredible results with through a very uh, non-standard method. And so I want to tell you a quick story. Sure. Uh, years and years ago, a woman came to me, and she had such bad panic disorder that on the way to work, she would fall down on the sidewalk and couldn't get up. Wow. So right. she was about the most severe panic attacks I had ever, I have ever uh, witnessed. And I said to her, if you could use all that energy for something else, what would you do with it? And she said, you know, she said, I had been a drug addict, uh, years ago, and I lost my children, and my mother took them, and my mother won't give me my children back. She said, so if I had tons of energy, and I could harvest the energy of the panic, I would fight to get my kids back. And I said, why don't you start that fight? The minute she started that fight, she never had another panic attack. You, the edge. This is the edge. That's the edge. You know, you got it. That's the edge. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Wow. And so one of the things that I work with a lot with panic disorder is now also there's physiological causes and, you know, where people need other medicines and CBDs and things like that. But on an energetic level, um, that's a lot of what I work with behind panic is I look at panic as incredible potential power that's exploding energetically but is not being channeled into where you need to channel it or could use it and so I've had a lot of luck over the years with helping people sort of rewire their brains and their bodies around the energy of panic and really use that energy and it's a powerhouse down there Wow that's oh. really interesting yeah it sure is yeah I thought a, a panic attack was something that you had no control over and, you know, it looks like, well, even I've even um, worked with people in the middle of panic attacks. And so this is a really interesting part of process work, is that always there's these what we call secondary processes going on. Like in the middle of panic, I'll see little nonverbal signals that are not part of the panic disorder. And by having people follow those signals, sometimes they can come out of it. But what I'm especially talking about is before you, in, you know, now you're not having a panic attack, and we're working on that energy, and we reroute that energy. So the next time that energy comes up, 
then you have mm-hmm. some control. It's harder to get control in the middle of an attack, but it is yeah. possible. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the way this direction is going. Uh, again, I, uh, and not to beat up on pharma, but pharma tends to go in and put a Band-Aid on something where your approach, uh, your alternative approach is more of redirecting, correcting. Naturally right. doing, changing Na- your brain. That's it. That's yeah. it. When you change those patterns, you change your brain. You know, and so a lot of what I'm working with a lot, and we work with in process work, is not just this quick fix, but it's a depth psychology, and it's like, well, let's let's get down there at the root and change that core pattern, and then your body and your mind work very differently. Hmm. Yeah, do you have to do you have to work with somebody to get them? And I I I, I'll say this term, uh, but I'll say it loosely. To submit to the process. So in the very beginning, the first time I went to a clear, I literally frustrated the hell out of that person because <laughs> I wasn't ready to submit. So she had to get me to that place first. Uh-huh. You know, um, when I studied other therapies and I participated in other therapies, you know, it was sort of like going to get a root canal, you know, I was like, okay, I'm really going <laughs> to get myself ready and I'm going to do that work okay. and it's going to be really scary and hard. The thing about process work is that we work with some of the heaviest situations, but there's a levity around it and a kind of, um, I, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's often fun, actually. When I first started studying with my teacher, I would get symptoms going to the seminars and the symptoms were that I would laugh so hard that my jaw would start to hurt. <laughs> okay. And I thought, this is so different than the other psychology. I came from a psychology where everybody was yelling at each other, and we were always, you know, we were always um, under a lot of stress. And, you know, and, okay. and so I think that part of the answer to that is that the therapist can ease the way, can do a lot to make that journey uh, more gentle. Well, that's um, good. You know, be- that's great, because I always think of therapy as a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's sometimes crying and sometimes it's, um, we do a lot of kind of inner work and meditation that's very, very quiet. Okay. Sometimes it's expressing anger. Um, a lot of times it's, um, in our work, it's just also opening the, these gates of joy. It's interesting when I was a gestaltist, Fritz Perls used to say that joy was the most difficult emotion. Oh. To express. And uh, so, you know, so we work with all the different feelings, and we also work with states of consciousness that are very, very quiet and not so feeling. Yeah. yeah. I like that, too. I, I, we've started meditation. Um, I'm not saying we practice it as often as we should, but we do try and get a little meditation going uh, it, just by ourselves or together or however we can, but it's very yeah. calming. Yes, I like it. Well, it sounds like it's we... It's very... Go ahead. Very calming. Yeah, I, go ahead, Edward. I think uh, the title of your book is probably more so the reason, is because when you're in business it, it, at a certain age, you just are driven to stay on that wheel. Yes. And I think uh, oftentimes I sense that her and I need... To, our wisdom says we have to do something. Yes. To break the pattern. Yes, yes. You know, the uh, Jungian and, and poet uh, Robert Bly used to call, had a great term. He called it world-weary. 
Okay. He's, he said we get world-weary, meaning that all the tasks of daily life wear out a part of us, and we need to go into nature, into our own deep nature, or into the beauty of nature to renew. Like, one of the things that we do a lot in the newer work and process work is we, is we take people on um, meditative journeys um, that are really, really simple, and um, we have them imagine a beautiful place in nature, and um, yeah. hold on a second, I was just looking at the time. Uh, do we, can I take people there for a ma- about a minute and a half? Sure can. Absolutely okay, you tr- can. Okay, let's try it. So you just take a couple of nice deep breaths and relax a little bit. And then you simply go to like your favorite place in nature that calls you. Maybe it's a ocean or a lake or a forest. Maybe it's your garden. And when you can imagine that place, take a deep breath when you imagine you've arrived there. And simply use your senses. Look around. What do you see? Are there any smells you associate with that place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about the sounds? What do you hear? Well, I'm at the ocean, so... <laughs> there, there you go. And me too. And what do you feel on your skin? Right, the ocean spray. That's where I'm at. There you go. Mm-hmm. And now if we're going to go one more step, I want you to imagine that first you notice how being there changes your breath. And imagine that being there kind of moves you in a certain way. And at a certain point, you want to let go of yourself and imagine and move like you're that nature spot. So now I'm moving like I'm the ocean. Or you might stand like a mountain. And so for just a minute, you're going to let go of yourself, and I'll be quiet for just a minute, and move and make sounds and just let yourself let go and imagine you're a part of the earth. Yeah, I really wish I was at the ocean right now. <laughs> yeah? Yes. And could you feel that a little bit where you actually let go of yourself for a minute? You just sort of felt like you were the water? and Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I can feel that I am on the ocean now, and the waves are just taking me to, like, That's a nice, it. quiet place. Yeah. That's it. And at a certain point, you imagine in your movement that you actually are the waves. Now mm-hmm. you're you're just the waves that are moving you also. You're you. And you're just waves. You're just water moving. Mm-hmm. You're just those waves. They go towards the sand, and then they come out. And I'm making that motion with my hand, not the one holding the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, and that shifts your consciousness, and it shifts your body. Um, I... I, 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 I um, and it's especially helpful around anxieties, around 
um, if you have health anxieties come up or a fear of dying or anything like that, this particular meditation is particularly helpful and um, can relax you really deeply and um, has really strong physiological effects. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so our teachers often said, oh, you know, especially with COVID, you know, if you get afraid of illness, of course, that's normal, and maybe of dying, that's normal, but then you can also let go and go to your place on the earth and look around and feel it and move like that place on the earth. Yeah, that's a really great, uh, like, two-minute exercise that you can do in the middle of the day when you're feeling all that overwhelmingness that can kind of creep up on you just when you least expect it. Yes, yes. And, you know, he told us, this was years ago when he was first developing this, to try do it every morning. So I did it every morning for about a year and a half. And two things I have to share. One morning I woke up, and there was a few seconds coming out of my dreams where it took me a few seconds to remember if I was a person or the ocean. Wow, okay. I was so deep. And the other thing is that I went to my teacher and I said, does it have anything to do with that method? I said, you know... My wife was looking on my back the other day, and I had had this acne scar since I was 18, and it's gone. And I said, also, I had some leftover pain in my knee from a basketball injury, and that also took off. And he said, yeah, he said, there's something about putting yourself in that deep state of oneness. If you do that a lot. Sometimes even some physical symptoms just take off because your body can do so much healing when it's in that state of oneness. Hmm, that's you know we're always uh, in awe of the things that we've learned that the brain can do during this agree. show. This absolutely year agree. and a half we've just been yeah. wow. The brain is just a magical thing. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It's well, thank really you for magical. that. Yeah, yeah, you put that brain in a different consciousness, in a non-dualistic, all day we're pulled this way and that way, but that deep place of oneness, even five minutes, I think has some really deep physical and psychological effects, especially if you do it on a more regular basis, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any directed meditation videos or anything that you will will direct clients to? I see sometimes on YouTube... Yeah, you know, that's a great idea. I mean, like in in my books, I have lots of these exercises, like, you know, 30 exercises in a book or something like that that are like this. But what a great idea to make some, um, I'm going to talk to my, especially at the the Process Work Institute I work with, there are some uh, uh, people there who are experts in making helpful videos. Wouldn't that be incredible to just make some basic, what we call these earth-based and other yeah. meditations that people could access. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say, just from personal experience, that when I don't keep the practice up of meditating, when I, can, when I go two or three months and don't do it, I need, yeah. I need guidance. I need the, uh, that directed type of meditation uh, from somebody Yeah, because yeah. I just forget how to do it. Right. I, I like that. Wouldn't that be great? We should... Uh, that, that's a fantastic idea. I'm going to talk with our team about that. What would it be like to put some of these basic process work, inner work, we call them inner work or meditations, yeah. um, where people could just um, access them and use them to guide them through, this, through the states. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, can I uh, query a few other places? I have understood that you work with head injury and, yeah. and even those in coma. Yes. Yes. Can you, can, you, can you go into that a little further for us? Yes, there's a part of process work which is which works specifically with comas, and so much of comas are caused by head injuries. Of course, there's a lot of diabetic comas. There's comas from people who had heart attacks and strokes, and and you know all kinds of sources of coma. Um, but yes, I I have worked for years. First, I just trained. I used to go with Arnie and Amy Mendel, the founders, and I would watch them and they would give me tips and then I, I that was probably about 25 years ago or something like that and then I eventually began working more and more on my own. I would call them in the middle of a session and eventually I've been working on my own and in fact I just completed a four or five year training program in Japan with students there where we certified our first coma trainees in, uh, in Japan but I've worked with many many people in coma and um, sometimes using psychological interventions you don't get strong results but many many times I've had strong results should I can I give an example you can Um, one of my um, friends father had a massive stroke and I ran into him at a at a at like a Saturday market and I said what's the matter and he said well my dad is in a coma, and we're probably going to have to pull him off life support. And I said, well, you know, we usually take bike rides, and I don't talk about this, but did you know I work with people in comas? And he said, well, can I fly you out there? So I went out for an initial consult, and I said, I wouldn't take him off life support. There's a lot of responsiveness in him. I'm just putting my hands on his stomach. I'm moving him in certain ways. I'm talking to him, and there's a lot of responsiveness, and I can come back in about a week or two. So they said, okay, we're going to keep him, you know, we'll keep him alive. And so I went out and I just worked with him in all the methods we use. We work with all the little signals you see that you think are just random signals, the posturing of a hand or the blink of an eye or um, a sound. And we work with those as doorways in. And um, so I I worked with him and I was talking a lot with his medical team. And they said um, his main person was both a neurologist and a neurosurgeon. And he said, you know, there's just no hope. His speech center's destroyed. Um, his movement center's destroyed. Uh, this man has no hope of recovery. We give him zero to four percent. And so I said, okay, that's interesting, you know. And so um, I said to his family, can, can we meet? There's a lot of tension in the family. So we did some family therapy. And the next day, um, they put him in a wheelchair and they pushed him outside um, to get him some fresh air, I guess. And I said to him, I worked with your family, and things are much better. I, you can relax. And I noticed a tear in his eye. Hmm. And I began to say every emotional thing I could say to him. And more and more tears came down his eyes. And at that moment, the phone rang, and it was his wife. And she said to him, I'll be there soon. And he said to her, when? Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. And we started jumping up and down, and I kept encouraging him to say more things and this and that. And about 20 minutes later, he said, I'd like to go have lunch. Oh, my goodness. And I said, well, the speech therapist cleared him, said that he, his swallowing is okay. Let me check with your doctors. And they said yes. So he went in, and he had lunch. 
And I ran into the, his doctor, and I said, you know, he's having lunch and he's talking. And he said, well, I don't really consider that considerable progress. This is where the two methods had a clash. Okay. And I said, well, I said, well, he was, you told me before he was dead, basically, and now he's eating lunch and chatting. And he said, yeah, but he hasn't said three sentences in a row yet. And so when he says three sentences in a row, I would say that that's significant progress. And so I had a little disagreement with him there. But anyway, they put him in his room later, and he was watching the hockey game. And he got all excited, and he said more than three sentences. So at that point, they said he had had a recovery. Oh, my goodness. And he lived for another year, and he had been somebody before the coma. He was a very, very successful businessman. And his family said he's a great provider, but no emotions, no feeling, no connection. And he came out of that coma and was the most feeling-related person. And he spent the next year cleaning up his, all of his relationships yeah. with his family, connecting with his children and his grandchildren. And then he died suddenly about a year later. But um, I have a lot of stories like that. And it sort of gives me the chills of where we worked very, very deeply with people where they were given zero to five percent chance of recovery. Right. Um, one, oh, well, another one I worked with. I'll, another I'll one I worked to, with now I'll, is an athletic trainer. I'll need to wrap this up because I want to give you the opportunity to tell everybody how to connect with you, and I only have about a minute to do that. As I'm being told <laughs> oh, by the oh promotion studio, the production staff <laughs> oh, is. Oh, I'm enjoying this so much. Okay, so oh, that's great. You can reach me. You can reach me through my email, which which, which is g reese g r e i s office greeseoffice at gmail.com or just go to Gary Reese my website um, you know my new book I've got 14 books including a book on coma written with a medical doctor but my new book is getting off the wheel and also I have weekly trainings you can join where I teach people all of this work you don't have to be a professional to learn it and if you want more of the professional track, the Process Work Institute, if you go on their website, has a master's program called MapOff, and the new program is just enrolling people for fall. So there's a Beautiful. lot of opportunities how to learn this work if you want to do it professionally or if you just want to use it for yourself and your family. All right. <laughs> I want to share a closing thought just for you, Dr. Reese, because I appreciate really who you are. It's, I sense you get a joy from giving. And I really appreciate that you are willing to contribute your, your practices. You teach and you heal people. Thank you. And I appreciate you sharing all that on the show today. Yes. Uh, oh, all and right. I so appreciate that you all are joining in this movement to help people heal. Great, great. Okay, I'm getting the wave off to close this down. That's all for our show today. I hope you join us again next week for more exciting adventures in the world of alternative medicine. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the CBD Ed Show. Please join your host, Ed Cheney, for another edition next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can also be heard each week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll be back with you soon.